All right, second service, make some noise. Come on. I am so proud of every single one of you. You are my favorites. 11 o'clock, by far, my favorites. Now, don't ask the 9 o'clock if I told them the same thing. Don't ask them. Just keep it between us. No, but listen, this is amazing. We have finally shifted many to this service. I'm looking around, and I know this is your first time ever coming to our second service, and we needed to do that, and you guys spoke. You weren't coming, many of you, to the 1 o'clock. You weren't budging. You were not going to come, but we managed to figure out what was going to work best for you. We pushed it to the 11, and now I see that we are doing very, very well in this service right now. Uh, Just to give you you a comparison. Easter was awesome last week. We had almost 350 people. Let's give it up for yourself coming to church, doing awesome. But let me just tell you, our average is normally right around 225, okay, a week, 225. Well, guess how many were coming to that first service? I mean, almost the entire number, and only about 50 or 60 were coming to the second service. And so we're getting right now closer to 100 in this service, and I want you guys to get to 150, amen? So you see these empty chairs? I want them to be a goal for you to fill. Now, there are some old-timers from the second service, and that's like Ricky right there. Ricky, raise your hand. He actually believes he can take down the first service. So the first service had almost 160 people. They were already in the overflow. I want you guys to give them a run for their money. Come on, somebody, make some noise. We are going to blow it up. We're going to go up to, to blow up to another level. So this is what God is, has for us. And feel free to, you know, kick the tires if you want to try a little bit earlier at the 9. The same service will be brought to you. But I just wanted to stop and tell you, man, I am so proud of you guys for being faithful, coming strong after Easter. Now let's keep growing. Amen. Amen. Open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. If you're new, you met my wife during announcements. Uh, her name's Nancy. I'm Joe. This is a great time to be a part of our church. During the Easter season, a lot of visitors came, so if you've come back, we're so glad you're here. And if you found us online, there's been a lot of traffic coming on, uh, coming to church via the Facebook or the website, finding us through Google. And we just want to thank you for being here. We're studying the book of Ephesians because we believe that this book gives us a word for our lives. And I want to thank you as well for your patience during the worship time, because if you're noticing, you might not have heard these songs before on K-Love, and that's because we're writing them, and we're doing it through the sermon series here, and we want you to learn them with us, so we don't want to drop too many new ones at a time on you. We're going to sing some of these next week. They're actually on my Facebook page when we're like chilling in my my living room or in Vinny's living room, the keyboardist, and we're writing them together, so check my Facebook. Facebook on if you actually want to see the lyrics to all of these songs. Every new song has a video on Facebook with the lyrics. Now, this sermon series is in him. Everybody say in him. Thank you. What it means is to be in God. Look at that triangle standing for the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says there's only one way to get into the triune God, and that's through Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So the entire book of Ephesians has over 20 references to in Jesus, to in him, in Christ, in his love. And that is the concept that we're going through this entire year. We are now in verse 
4, and we started the book in February. We are taking our time. So I want to invite you on this journey to learn it with us. Read the book of Ephesians at least once a week. Take the time to do that. I have helped you by giving you audio links, audio Bibles. There's some over hip-hop that's really cool, some that's classic. How long do you think it takes to listen to the audio Bible to hear the entire book of Ephesians? How long? An hour? Five hours? Ten hours? How about 20 minutes? How many believe that? 20 minutes. I take a bike ride two hours. One hour this way, one hour that way. Now divide that by 20 and see how many times I've listened to the book of Ephesians. Just one day building up these calves. Come on, somebody. You got, you got to get in shape. I'm going to show them up. No, I'm kidding. But uh, I'm embarrassed. Now I don't even want to look at some of you guys. I, I thought about it. It was like too late. It was like, no, don't do it. Don't do it. But I want to be in shape. How many want to be in shape with the good weather coming out, right? You want, I mean, going outside, you want to enjoy it. Well, exercise, put on your Bible, and then listen to the book of Ephesians 20 minutes. And then what you going to do the other six days of the week? Listen to all the other books of the Bible because we read our Bible every day, right? We don't just go to Facebook. We put our face in his book, right? If you work the word, it will work for you. Don't come to me with your busted and disgusted life with all your excuses tore up from the floor up and say, whoa, with me. Woe is me. You better put your life in the Bible. Build your life on the Word of God. Amen? The Bible says, he who builds his life on the Word builds his house on a rock. When the storms come, they're still standing. Those who do what they want, listen to Dr. Phil, they build their lives on sand. When those storms come, their life falls apart, and great is that crash. Today we're talking from verse 4 of this passage. It's called Chosen. Somebody say, Chosen. Amen. This is an awesome passage that we're going through, breaking it down in bite-sized bits for y'all to catch it. So start in verse 3, and then you'll see our verse here highlighted. Follow in your Bible or on the screen, please. Paul is writing to the people of Ephesus. That's the name of the book, Ephesians. If I was writing to the people of Chicago, what would I call it? Chicagoans, y'all tracking with it, right? Now you get in it. You look at your Bible, you understand who these people are. Philippians come from Philippi. Colossians come from Colossae. The people of Thessalonians come from Thessalonica. This is the Bible. The people of Rome, uh, the, the book of Romans was written to people in where? Oh, y'all smart. Come on, somebody. You're getting the Bible knowledge. So Paul writes to them, just like you and I, ordinary people, look at what he says starting in verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with spiritual blessings in Christ. And so before Easter, we broke that down, blessed in heavenly realms. This is today's message. Let's read it together. One, two, three. For he chose us in him before the of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight in love. Now, you know what's unique about Bible translations is that when they wrote in ancient languages, they didn't have periods and exclamation marks and question marks. And so what we have here is a unique translation into English. They don't know where to put that period. Some translations put the period after in love. As this translation, it puts it after in his sight. I like it after in love. So it would read like this. He chose us before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight in love comma he predestined us for adoption so on and so forth so just wanted to give you that little nuggy there whether it was meant to be a part of the latter part of verse four or the beginning part of verse five we know that he loves us amen 
In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with the pleasure of his will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Have you ever had to pay for grace? You don't have to do it. You don't have to pay for grace. You don't have to pay for a holy rag, uh, you know, $5.99 plus shipping and handling, holy water. God gives it freely. I'm so thankful for that. He gives it to us in the one he loves. Look at verse 7. In him. Sounds familiar. In him. Everybody say in him. Thank you. Sounds like Paul's trying to get us to understand something. Hence the name of the sermon series. In him we have redemption through his blood, forgiveness of our sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Is God's grace broke? Come on, hey, talk to me. Is it broke? Can God's grace forgive the worst of sinners? Can God's grace forgive those in ISIS right now? What about those who blew up the churches in Egypt? Can God's grace forgive them? Did God have enough grace for Hitler? Does God have enough grace for you? How about the one that's hurt you and done wicked things to you? I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying it's wrong. But does God have enough grace to give it to them? Or does he come up to them and go, oh, man, I don't think I got anything left for you. Man, you know, you've done so much in life. I, man, I'm kind of broke right now. Come check me out next week. That's not our God, is it? In accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Will you ever run out of God's grace? Will you run out? Come on, somebody. Will you run out? No, you have enough grace. Now, does grace lead us to keep on sinning, to keep being forgiven? No, if you do that, you are treating God worse than you would treat the local uh, corner store. You wouldn't do that to them, and they wouldn't do business with you. God is in a relationship with us, just like a husband is with their wife. The Bible even says that later on in Ephesians, that we are married to Christ. We are his bride. In another language, it says he is our father. These are the most intimate words of relationship, father with children, husband with wife. In any of those relationships, would you willingly abuse them, take advantage of them, just so you could be forgiven, you know, just to say, I'm sorry. You know, you know, I know my wife loves me, so I'm going to cheat on her because she'll forgive me. You know, how long do you think that's going to happen before I find my stuff out in the front door, you know, on the street? Come on. You know, my kids will say, Dad will forgive us. Dad will forgive us. How many more times do you think they're going to do that before I put their stuff out in the front, you know? Lucas, here is your, here is your Superman bicycle. Here's some snacks. We'll see you later. No, I'm kidding. But uh, the best thing my parents ever did for me at 18 was hand me the keys to the car and say, goodbye. That's right. I wasn't living for God. I was messing up. I was uh, going to jail. And they said, once you're 18, if you're not living for Jesus, you are out of this house. Because as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. On my 18th birthday, they gave me the keys to the car. Some people don't even give that. And they said, goodbye. Live for Jesus. Or come back when you're ready. And my mom stood on that word for three years as I lived for the devil. But it was at her kitchen table. Come on, somebody. November 5th, 1995, that I accepted Jesus Christ. Somebody's got to have faith to do what God said to do. Put them in God's hands, amen. You're not their savior, Jesus is. Work the word and it will work for you. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He has made known to us the mystery of his will. It's not mysterious anymore. We know what God's up to according to the good pleasure of his will, which he purposed in Christ to be put in effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring to unity all things in heaven and on where? On earth under Christ. How many know heaven's coming to earth one day. 
and right now it's supposed to be here in you. He said you were to pray that the kingdom of God would come on earth as it is in heaven. One day what God is doing on the inside will show up on the outside. How many are ready for that day? And I always talk about it like this. When Jesus comes back, a lot of people are going to be like, oh, no, oh, no. Little Wayne, he's going to be like, oh, no. These starting players for these basketball teams, oh, no, oh, no. Bill Gates, oh, no, oh, no. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, baby. Come on, Jesus. Set it on fire, Lord, and make it right. I'm telling you, you're going to be watching their mansions going up. Oprah Winfrey's going to be hiding under a rock saying, spare me. The judgment is coming. Oh, no, oh, no. Sinners crying out. But I'll be saying, oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes, Lord. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. You hear people saying this all the time. Only God can judge me. They don't know what they're asking for. Read the end of the book. Take it right now from this preacher before he comes down with fire in his eyes, riding on a white horse with a sword, laying down a 300. Hundred million, and the blood being as high as a horse's head for over a hundred miles. That's Armageddon, my friends. That's not a pizza party. Are you listening? He's unifying the earth. Everything's coming under Jesus Christ. Those who bow their knee now have a kingdom to look forward to. We will rule and reign as kings and priests with Jesus. Oh, I can't wait to see that. Look at verse 11. I won't interrupt and get my preach on, but this is amazing. And he's going to bring up that word chosen, which we had just heard before in verse 4. So correlate it to that message that we're going to today about being chosen. And hear how we were chosen. We were chosen, were we chosen like randomly, like eeny, meeny, miny, mo? I picked this Christian by the toe. You know, I'll take this one. No, look at how we were chosen. Here it goes. In him... We were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believe you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. How many want to give him praise right now? Come on. the word. That is the word, and it gets me excited every time I read it. When I'm pedaling, I'm pedaling faster when I hear that. Woo, I'm blessed. <laughs> oh, man, you know, it's amazing what God is sharing with us in this. That's why I had to just take this piece by piece. So you may be overwhelmed, and that's okay, because I've been doing this a while, and I even just reading it here and going, wow, I want to know more about that. Isn't that interesting? I just saw that differently. It is like when you read the Word of God, especially a passage like we just read, run-on sentences, big words thrown in everywhere, a lot of concepts tying together. It is like looking at a precious diamond, watching the light reflect off of it, and every way you turn it, you see something different in it. The Word of God will speak to you in every season of your life in different ways. This message, you could listen to it two years from now, and it may speak an entirely different thing to your heart. That's why you got to hide the word in your in your life and, and make it a part of your everyday life so you can receive those nuggies. Amen? So here are the 14 that we're going through. We started off with blessed with every spiritual blessing. That was a great message. Today is chosen to be holy and blameless. What do you think we're going to talk about next week? 
adoption to sonship. Week after that is glorious grace. And you can see I put the verses there. And these are on Facebook and on our website. All these notes on the app. You can go back and study through this and go, man, I want to get ahead for next week. I want to talk about, I want to learn about adoption before pastor talks about it. I'm going to go back to verse 5. Glorious grace, redemption and forgiveness, lavish with wisdom and understanding, knowing God's mysterious will, unified with Christ, God's plan, made to praise. You know, when we do this, we're going to have to write like a gospel song. I was made to praise, made to praise. I was made, y'all ain't even up today. I was made to come on uh, uh, oh hey hey I was made to praise made to oh come on that was fun that was fun I can't go further than that I pretend like I can it's like that person sitting down at the party uh, they dance with their shoulders and they act like they can dance I'm that guy because the moment you get me on the, the floor I don't know what to do I just keep doing the same thing no, no, nothing from the hips now. I ain't blessed that way. My daughter, she's learning to dance with all the culture we have in this church. I love it that my kids are getting that, but I didn't get none. Marked and sealed by the Holy Spirit, the gospel marked and sealed. Verse uh, number 13 and verse 14, guaranteed inheritance in God's possession. Somebody say he chose me. Thank you. Let me give you the definition of chosen. We were chosen in Christ Jesus before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless. When we look at the concept of being chosen in the Bible, it means to be selected and preferred over other persons or things. Now, this is a concept you've got to take some time to understand because we don't really get it biblically. We've seen it in the worldly sense of chosen, but we don't understand it biblically. And so think about it like this. When uh, I was watching CNBC, there's a, a show that keeps being advertised. It's with Jay Leno. And uh, what he's going to do on this show is he's going to show you all the cars that he has. And I'm like, wow, you talk about kind of a braggadocious guy. You know, like on this episode, I'll drive my Rolls Royce that you'll never drive in. And I'm so much cooler than you. And it literally in the advertisement says uh, there's like a little you know, camera there, and, and you can go online, and you can actually pretend you're sitting next to him. And for maybe car people, that's cool, but I'm like, ah, I don't care about that. But here's the deal. He loves his cars. He has like over 100 cars. They made a TV show about his cars. They put a camera in his car to make you feel like you're cool like him, and you're in the car. But you know what? He has a love for cars, and we look at that sometimes, and we say, maybe that's the way God is with us. Maybe God only loves the 1960 Camaros. Maybe only God loves the Rolls Royces from the early 1900s. You know, and we think that God just loves only some of us that way, but that's not true. But yet there is a difference in the way God expresses his love. He loves us all the same, but he doesn't bless us the same. He has no different love for everybody here, but he does have favorites. Now, everybody's welcome to be one of his favorites, but it's a choice that we make to become one of his favorites. To be in Jay Leno's garage, you have to have it all together as that quote-unquote nice car or classic car. But God doesn't choose his favorites based on what family you came from, based on what you did in your past. He chooses you based on what he sees he can do in you and you agreeing to it. See, the Bible says God so loves the world that he gave his only begotten son, but the whole world ain't going to heaven. 
It's only those who believe in him, those ones don't perish. Those ones have eternal life. So here's where we need to make a difference. God loves us all but hasn't chosen us all. God has made a way for all of us to go to heaven, but not everybody is going to heaven. So track with me here. On judgment day, when God is casting into hell those who did not choose him, Jesus is not weeping. There is not a romantic song playing in the background like we could have been lovers or, you know, we could have been friends and Jesus is crying, I wish you would have chose me. No, he's saying, depart from me. I never knew you, you worker of iniquity. Go into the lake of fire prepared for the devil and his angels. You see, there's a choice that we make here to be chosen by him. There's a drawing near that we must do that he draws near to us. Now, do not get it twisted. We do not love him first. He loves us first. He makes the initiation, but it's whether or not we respond to his invitation that we get chosen. The people of Ephesus aren't just any old Ephesians. The ones Paul's writing to, if you were here when we learned about the history of Ephesus and these people, they were once pagans, idolaters, sexual perverts. They actually practiced prostitution in their pagan temples as a part of their religion. The Bible says that they practice uh, witchcraft. They worship these idols. But Paul preached to them, and many of them gave their heart to Jesus. Now they're meeting in homes, hearing the gospel every week, living accordingly. And Paul is saying to them, God chose you to be holy and blameless. He's not saying to the one who's still in that pagan temple, you're chosen. He's not because they have not received him yet. God picks people over other people. Now, I know that is not what we want to hear because we want everybody to get a trophy, don't we? And we, and we, want, we don't want anybody to be picked last because some of us who were picked last, we didn't like that feeling, did we, on the, on the gym, you know, in the gym, whatever. But here's the deal. There is a hell, people. There's a real place where people go because they did not accept Jesus. And then there's a place where God's favorites go. There's a place where God's blessed people go. Did you know the word blessed means favored of the Lord? Psalm 1 says, blessed, favored of the Lord is the man who does not stand in the counsel of the wicked, nor sit in the seat of the mocker, or stand in the way of the sinner, but his delight or her delight is in the law of the Lord, and on their law do they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by the streams of water, which yield their fruit and season. Their leaf does not wither, but the wicked are not so. They are like the chaff, and that's that stuff that comes off wheat when they pick it, and then they get it off so they can use it to make food. They are like the chaff, which the wind blows away. They will not stand in the seat of the righteous, and the Lord knows the way of the righteous. See, today you make a choice. You don't choose and do good works to impress him, to get brought into his garage. That's not how it works. He does all of the work on you to make you holy and blameless. He's the one that perfects you and changes you, but you have to want to be chosen. Can I hear an amen? 
Some of y'all don't believe me yet, but that's why the message is just in the introduction. Uh, I got some stuff to show you about Jesus. Look at what it means to be holy. It means to be set apart and pure. You are chosen in Christ to be set apart from the world. You are not supposed to do business like the world, to raise your family like the world, to make it rain and spend money like the world. You are to be different. You are then to be blameless, to be without a spot or blemish, perfect in the eyes of God. See, right about now, some of you might think I'm making this up. Can I go back to the scripture? Can I go back to somebody say, preach it? Let's see if I got it right, because I sometimes can tell by some of your expressions, you may not believe me. Let's see if I got it right. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to still be sinners, go to church, make excuses, and do our best to be good in his sight. Is that what it says? For he chose us before the creation of the world to go to conferences, to listen to K-Love, and to make excuses about why we always busted and disgusted. He chose us from the beginning of the world to go to Father Tom, to tell him our naughty secrets, and every now and then feel bad about what we do. Is that what it says? It says he chose us. He chose us for a reason, to be holy and to be blameless in his sight. In his sight, you can fake it with me, but you can't fake it with him. God said, in his sight, I want you to be holy and blameless. But here's the deal. I can't do it, but he does it in me. The Bible says, be holy for I am holy. Be perfect for your heavenly Father is perfect. Well, where do I do that? What gym do I sign up for and, be, and get perfect heart and work on my heart muscle? What diet do I take to lose all my sin? Come on. No, it's in Christ. Listen to what it says, for he chose us in him. The moment I step into Christ, I am changed in my character. If you are truly born again today, you are already changed in your character, but some of you aren't living like it. You see, the more you say of yourself, I am a sinner, the more you will make excuses for your sins. That's why cheat days don't work on our diets. You ever tried that? I got a cheat day. It's just Saturday. And then before you know it, Sunday. Now I got two cheat days because I'm a little hungry. Then before you know it, it's Monday. And then now you off your diet. What do most people tell you in the health industry? Set a lifestyle. Set a lifestyle of right eating. That way you don't have to gorge yourself. The Bible is teaching us that as we see ourselves is how we will live. Yesterday we had our uh, birthday party for Lucas. He's five years old, had some of his friends over. And all of a sudden one of his friends came in with a bloody nose. We asked what happened. Lucas, he said, punched him in the face, gave him a bloody nose. That's my son. Now, I got upset about that and I had to go out there and figure it out. And they told me they were playing and it was an accident. It was like, okay, you're not getting spanked on your birthday because you almost caught a birthday whooping. He almost caught himself a birthday whooping. I'm not playing. He would have got himself one. But it, it was an accident. But here's the deal. I didn't walk up to him then and go, you're just a dirty sinner anyways. Nobody's purpose, perfect, Lucas. And I don't expect anything more from you. You're just a kid. No. What did I do? I went and spoke to his identity. We're Rostics. You're a part of this house. You reflect my image. You look like me. I want you now to act like me. Treat your friends nicer because I don't give my friends friends bloody noses, and they don't give me bloody noses. When you believe Jesus made you sinless, you will sin less. When you, made, when you believe Jesus made you holy, you'll live holy. When you believe Jesus made you blameless, you'll walk in this world without the smut of sin upon you. The default position of the believer is to be pure and holy. What if we do sin? We repent because we know sin is not our nature. Holiness and blameless is. Come on, come on somebody. Second service be sleeping on some of this. 
It ain't clapping for me. It's clapping for the word, right? I'm not here just to get you excited about my life story. Let me tell you when I was three years old and had my first puppy. This ain't about Joe today. This is about Jesus and his word and how we live in him. He chose us. Just get it right now before we go on to these points here. I want you to get the word because I ain't going to be with you tomorrow. You got to know how to work the word. You are chosen to be holy and blameless. Can I get an amen? Amen. Now, here are the things I want to add to this so you can walk away from this scripture with some great revelation and insight. How, when, and why God chooses people. Let's start with how God chooses. How God chooses us is based on our choice to respond to his invitation to come to Jesus. Once again, he loves everybody. He's invited everybody to be chosen, but not everybody is chosen. And now I'm going to show you it in Jesus' word. Let's look to Matthew chapter 22, verse 1. Somebody say, preach it. I'm going to preach it from the words of Jesus. Here he goes. Jesus spoke to them again in parables. So he's going to tell them a story because we like stories. You can still see today by the love of all the books that we buy, all the movies and TV shows, nothing has changed in 2,000 years. We love a good story. Jesus is going to tell one now. And here he goes in verse 2. The kingdom of heaven is like. The moment you hear those words, your ears better pay attention because this is not like bacon a cake is like. This is not like something of this world. And getting into shape is like this. No, no, no. He's telling you this is heaven and hell stuff right here. This is everything about your eternity right here. The kingdom of heaven is like. How many of y'all listening to Jesus now? How many want to go into the kingdom of heaven, not of hell? How many know you were made for this? You were made for heaven. This is your destiny. This is what God wants for you. He says it's like this. Now watch the story. Not my words. Jesus' words. It's like a king who prepared a banquet for his son. Right there, y'all should be blown away because you've read the Bible before, right? They are, this is the first time they're probably hearing this, but you already got it. Some of you already got the characters here. Who do you think the king is? The king is father. Who do you think his son is? Jesus. And it's a wedding banquet? Who does Jesus marry? Us, the church. Come on. Isn't that amazing? Jesus is awesome. Paul uses Jesus' analogy in the book of Ephesians, doesn't he? You're getting it right now. In the book of Ephesians, it talks about Christ loving the church as a man loves his wife. Here's the story. Check it out. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent out his servants to those who had been invited. They had been what? They had been what? Invited to the banquet, and they told him to come, but they what? Refused to come. If ISIS today dies by blowing themselves up and they go to hell, is it because they were not invited to come? Is it, in, is it because that they were picked over, uh, the American culture was better than them because of how we speak English and they speak Arabic? Is that the reason? No. If they go to hell, it's because they refuse to come. If you go to hell, if I go to hell, if my children go to hell, if anybody you know goes to hell, it's not because they weren't loved and invited. It's because they refused to come. Refused. I ain't going. Tell that king I'm not coming. Then he sent some more servants. I love my heavenly father. Come on, somebody. He sent more servants. 
The Bible says he gives us ample opportunities, continues to invite us to come. How many of you heard the gospel multiple times before you accepted it? Before you accepted that gospel, you heard it many, many times. I was a church kid, and I rejected it over and over and over again. Billy Graham, the famous evangelist, did a survey, and they say it takes about eight times of somebody hearing the gospel before they accept it. Look how hard-hearted we are, but God is so loving towards us. He sent out more servants and said, tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. Now I love my Jesus because this is going to be a party, and the Father's got it ready. Look how he tells them about it. My oxen and fatted calf have been butchered. The atacheta is ready. The ribs, they're ready. The steak, it is ready. Fogo de chow, it's ready. Out back, it's ready. Everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. They refuse the first time. He sends them out again. Come on, you've been invited. There's going to be awesome food here. Everybody's going to be there. I want you to come. Come. And how we say it in Spanish? Bien. How do you say it in the hood? Get over here. Come on, somebody. Get you over here. Come on. We ready. Come to the banquet. Now watch what happens. But they paid no attention. This is Jesus talking. Somebody say, it's my Jesus. They paid no attention, went off, one to his feet. Well, I got to work today. Another one to his business. I got to make money. The rest, they seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. They get mad. Like, what are you mad about? What are you so mad? Well, this man invited me to his banquet, and I'm tired of telling him no, so now this next servant that comes, I'm going to punch him in the face. It shows you the heart of sinners. People hate the gospel because they hate God. People hate hearing a preacher like me because they hate God. They actually started beating up on these servants. 90,000 Christians die a year around the world. Christians are the most persecuted population in the world. Right now there are concentration camps in North Korea where Christians are living in. Right now in Islamic countries, as you saw with Palm Sunday, they bombed the church of Egypt in the middle of their church services. God have mercy. That's why I wear this bracelet to remind me of the persecuted church, and I'll give one to any of you to help remind you to pray for them. They seized his servants, mistreated them, killed them. Now watch judgment come. The king was enraged, sent his army, and destroyed the murderers and burned their cities. Somebody say, Armageddon. Judgment day is coming to those who rejected it. Now, here's an interesting thing that happens. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready. But those I invited did not deserve to come. They were invited. I loved them. I told them all about it. But they were so crazy that not only didn't want to come, some of them beat up my people. So I had to judge them. So now you look at this. Verse 9, go to the street corners. Invite them to the banquet, anyone you find. That's why we do Chicago for Jesus in this church over 10 different times all over this city because we're like Jesus. We're going to go find people on the streets. We're going to go find them in the colleges. We're going to go find them in front of your jobs and your businesses. You may not be able to preach between the hours you're at work, but you can preach on lunch break. Come on. You can preach after work. You can take somebody out, find somebody, tell them about Jesus. Look at verse 10. So the servants went out into the streets, gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good. It didn't matter what their past was. It didn't matter if they looked like a Rolls Royce or an old beat-down Peno. Everybody, come. It is with you. It's for you. The invitation is here. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. Now watch this. But the king came in and saw the guests. He noticed that there was a man there not wearing the wedding clothes. He asked him, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. So the king told the attendant, tie him hand and foot. This is where it gets real. 
The guy didn't come in the right clothes. Now the, the parable goes just from the out, uh, just from the example of him getting thrown out to him actually getting thrown into hell. Like Jesus is going to drop it on you. He said, Tight, take that man time, hand and foot, throw him outside into the darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. See, because some people came, but they didn't come correct. They said, Jesus, I'm going to give you half of my heart. Jesus, I'm going to hold on to some of these things. And so they weren't holy and blameless. And somebody might look at this and go, well, when they didn't have any wedding clothes. You know what was the beautiful thing about this culture? Is that when a king of that high level would invite you to come, even if you were a peasant and you didn't have clothes to wear, he would have a royal wardrobe to give you just so you could come in and fit in with everybody. All they had to do was to ask. But because of their pride, they came, but they didn't come correct, and they were thrown out. So not only did the rebellious get their cities destroyed, but those who were half-stepping, the lukewarm, as Revelation 3.16 says, they get spit out the mouth. Those who fake the funk in church, the Judas is here, hello. If you don't live right, you will hang yourself. That's the lesson we get. If you're not right on the inside, holy and blameless, you get thrown out. And the king's got a wardrobe for you. All you have to do is ask. And now here's Jesus' words. Read it for me on the count of three. One, two, three, four. Many are invited, but few. But I thought you loved everybody, Jesus. Why are you throwing people out? Because you're not coming holy and blameless. Jesus, I, I, I didn't think you had any favorites. Oh, I do. Those who come. Those who listen. Those who obey. We think favorites are based on external things. We think God chose David because he was awesome and all these things. No, no, no. God said, I chose David because his heart wanted me. God doesn't pick favorites like the world. Listen to me, ladies. There's a lot of girls out there, they only pick their friends based on how good they look, right? That's not how God picks you. He looks at your heart. Do you want him? Men, listen to me. You go to the gym, sometimes you see these strong guys there. Everybody wants to be strong. That's not how God picks us. God picks us because he looks at our heart. And God knows whether or not you want him. Because here's the last part of the sermon. The when and the how is tied together. When God picks us is by his foreknowledge at the foundation, even before then when the world was created. And why does he do it? Because he wants us to be like Jesus. Because Jesus is holy and blameless. Look at Romans here. Romans 8, 28, the same author, Paul, who wrote Ephesians, knowing Jesus' parables. He says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Of those who what? Does, the, does it work out for the good of those who hate him? No, it doesn't work out for you if you're not putting God first in your life. It's for those who what? Love him. Who have been what? Called. Somebody say he called. No, y'all ain't helping me preach. Somebody say he called. And I answered. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, you better pick up the phone when Jesus calls. <laughs> How many know he calls? He called me. I will cry right in front of you right now telling you stories about how Jesus called me. I don't never tell you, you. Those of you who are here can probably count on one hand if you've been around even at the most 10 years, the amount of times I've told you my past. But there was one time I did more drugs than I should have. I was snorting stuff I shouldn't have. I was trying to impress people I was around, and I was ODing in the back of a car as we were driving through the country. None of, but nobody's even heard this story. Maybe Andrew, maybe Andrew, but no one else. I don't even, I hate drugs. I hate everything to do, but I want you to listen to me. I was dying in that back seat, and they knew I was passing in and out, and I was vomiting. I could have choked on myself. I could have just, it could have been my time. And I remember my friend said, if he passes out, drop him off on the road because we're not going to the hospital and getting in trouble. I remember coming in and out of crystal meth, 
high out of my mind, knowing that I could die. My heart was racing a million miles a minute. I mixed drugs that shouldn't have been mixed. And I just remember God calling on my name. And I remember my mother telling me, she's got a diary. Some of you have seen the movie War Room. She's got a diary that in the middle of the night, she would be woken up to pray for me. And it was God's mercy and grace. And I want to tell you something here today. God loves us and has called us according to his purpose, but you better get in that purpose and plan. It is not because you are, I'm not here because I'm a goody two-shoe. I'm just here because I surrendered to God and said, yes, Lord. I picked up the phone. Come on. For those who God foreknew, he also rewinded and predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Watch the nuggy here in closing. I can't get into this. I got another message. I'll get more deeper on how God knows all things. But the idea is God sees our choices because he's the beginning and the end and fills everything in between. He sees our choices, and based on that, he predestines the world we live in. You will be responsible for your choices. You will not be able to go to heaven and then know you're going to hell on judgment day and say, but God, you knew I would reject you anyways because he would say, but it was still your choice. I knew what you would do, but it was still your choice. And then you may say, well, why did you ever create me then if you knew I would go to hell? And he would say, because I wanted people to choose me. I created a world for choice and love and relationship. God the Father had two options, very simple. Create a world of robots. I love you, God. We all love you, God. Program me to read my Bible. Or a world of free creatures where things can go cray. He said, I'll choose that world because in that world they will choose me. And I will have a relationship with him. You are a, an autonomous being created in the image of God. Through Adam and Eve's sin, we have, uh, we have been born fallen, and we're still making our choices today to choose him. And so he knows my choice, but I will be responsible for it on judgment day. But those who choose him, he has worked out a plan to be conformed to the image of his son. And think of it like that old cookie cutter that I would do with my family around Christmas time with gingerbread or Superman figures. Whatever that... Uh, Whenever that, 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 that figure would go down, it would cut out everything else and only that figure would remain. You are predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus. Everything else cut away. You are a copy of Jesus. That's why you are made to be holy and blameless, that he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Remember we use that family example and say, Lucas, we don't do that here. Jesus wants brothers and sisters just like him. I thought nobody was perfect. Well, I thought Jesus was perfect. Well, it was just Jesus, nobody else. But I thought Jesus wanted perfect brother and sisters. Well, that will only be when we go to heaven. That's not what it said here. It said here, I was chosen now to be holy and blameless. So what do we do when we mess up? As those who are made perfect in Christ, we repent of our sin and say, that's not who I'm supposed to be. When I believe I am who God said I am, I will do what he said I can do. It's not the hypocrite who sins. It's the hypocrite who sins and then pretends it doesn't matter. It's the one who tries to put it under the rug. The true Christian made perfect in Christ will say, if I have messed it up and came out of perfection, I will do the first thing right now by admitting I came out of Christ's perfection. And I will live my life by his grace, not to sin more, but to please him more. And those he predestined, he called. And those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. We are glorified in our spirits right now, and one day we're going to get a glorified body. How many are ready for that? Would you stand to your feet and give it up for Jesus today? Amen. Amen. Band, would you come, please? Here it is in summary. 
How did God choose us? God chose us based on our choice to have faith in him. When did he choose us? Before the foundation of the world by his foreknowledge. And then why does he choose us? Why are you chosen today? To be conformed to the image of Jesus. I want you to hear that scripture that we read at the beginning today, that God chose us before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in him. Listen to this in a modern translation. Long before the Father laid down the foundations of the earth, he had us in mind and had settled on us as the focus of his love, to be whole and holy by his love. The Father did this. Long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure, what pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration. Remember Jesus' parable of the wedding? To enter into the celebration of his lavish gift giving by the hand of his beloved son. You and I today have a choice to choose or reject our Lord and Savior. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me and make it today to choose Jesus? Right now, Lord, we ask you, if for those here who have not chosen you, that they would take a mo moment to do so, O oh God. And those that have, O oh Lord, that they would do so by your grace and by your love. Right now, if you haven't chosen Jesus, would you say, Lord, I believe in you. I believe you died, were buried, rose again for my sins to be the Lord of my life. I want you to change me, transform me, conform me to your image. Those who are already saved, will you thank him for his grace? I, I didn't do it on my own, God. You did it for me. I didn't first love you. You loved me. I didn't show up trying to get into your wedding. You first invited me. You sent your son to die for me. You were an answer to a problem I didn't even know I had. You were the solution, God, all along, and I'm going to live for you. Come on, right now, two types of people, those who are getting saved and those who are thankful to be saved. All of us have been invited, but who is chosen? Who is chosen in this place today? Who are the ones like those in the city of Ephesus that were chosen, chosen to be holy and blameless? few more moments, few more moments, just thanking the Lord. If you've already prayed and you're satisfied, now just thank him. But I know some of you want to get some stuff off your chest because you may already be a Christian, but you're not living according to his word. You're like a married bachelor. You're like a square circle. You're a contradiction of terms. You're a Christian, but you live unholy. You're a Christian, but you don't live blameless. God says he wants you to live according to your identity now. There's a new you on the inside that needs to come out. Before we go, altar workers, would you come, please? We're going to sing, but just a few moments of personal prayer and introspection. Are you chosen? Are you holy and blameless like he said you were to be? That's what God called you to do. God called you to do that. There is no doubt about it. There is no one that is outside of that. Everyone is invited to the same calling of holiness and being blameless. Before we close out, now I want us to pray for God to use us in every place we go. Right now, would you pray for your family? Would you pray for your job? The Bible says you're supposed to be the light of the world. They're the salt of the earth. If you see things in your life that aren't lining up, why don't you ask God to choose you to do something about it? 
That, that means there's a plan. That means there's something that God is doing. If he puts a desire in your heart and puts you in a place where you see a need, have you ever thought that maybe you're there to meet the need? You ever look around your family and say, why am I the only saved one here? Maybe a light bulb will turn on. Oh, God brought me here to be a light. My calling is to reach out. You look at your job, oh, man, they're all crazy, Pastor. None of these people love Jesus. They're so worldly. They're heathen. They'll be the first in hell. Did you ever ask yourself why God brought you there? Maybe God brought you to be a witness to them because he's got lavish grace. God's grace is not broke for them. I double-dog dare you to pray for three coworkers to be here next week. I double-dog dare somebody to pray for their high schools, their colleges, for their neighborhood because we are called to do this. We are called to this. We are called to be a reflection of Jesus in this world. A few more moments and then we'll close out. Would you get the words, please, to the song, the second song today? We're going to close out singing, but in just a moment, we're going to pray again and we're going to believe it. We're going to believe we are who God said we are. We can do what he said we can do. Okay, come on, let's say it together. I am who God said I am. Come on, say it like you mean it. I am who God said I am. I can do what he said I can do. Come on, say it one more time. I am who God said I am. And I can do what he said I can do. I am chosen to be holy and blameless. Oh, come on, say it again. I am chosen to be holy and blameless. Can somebody say amen? Now give it up for Jesus. Hallelujah. We believe it today, God. We're going to close out singing this song. You are welcome to sing with us, to pray with us. We have altar workers here for you. Otherwise, you will be dismissed and ready to rock and roll your day. 11 o'clock. I love